Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. I love uh, this church. I love a lot of different things about it. One of the things I love is uh, I love the diversity of it, how we have different people that look different, act different, talk different, have different pasts, different upbringings. Um, We are a church that is willing to admit that we're broken, we're messed up, we have hurts, we have habits, we have hang-ups, and nobody is excluded from that. We're all working on ourselves as we try to follow Jesus, and we're trying to love him the best we can and let him deal with those things by themselves. Um, I love the fact that uh, we're an honest group, sometimes too honest, right? But this is a place where, where you, can be, you can be honest. I, I love how honest uh, you are with us as your pastors. You know, one of my favorite parts, preaching is, I, I love to preach, but my favorite part of being a pastor, especially a pastor here, is, is not from up here, but it's in the one-on-one conversations I have with people. When people are struggling or when people are addicted or when people are struggling through life or they're sick or, or I get to spend time with them in a critical moment in their life, those are the times where I really genuinely love being one of your pastors. And throughout those conversations uh, over the last six months or so, one of the things that people have been very open with me about is there's kind of been this common thread of, I just don't feel like I'm worth anything. Like, I just don't feel worthy. I feel worthless. I've had different people say it different ways. Some have said, you know, I feel like I'm always doing something for somebody, but nobody really cares about me. I feel like I'm a resource. I don't feel like um, I'm a human. I don't feel like people really love me for me. It's just about what I can give them. I've had people talk about how they feel rejected, how they feel like they've, they've been left out, how they're always kind of on the outside looking in, that they don't look like everybody else, think like everybody else, and so they feel like people are constantly pushing them away. I've, I've had people talk about how they, they don't feel like they're, they're attractive, like they're not, they're not desirable. And I, I, I just have to say that, honestly, I, I get that. Like one of the things I, I love about this church is that you don't expect your, your pastors to be perfect either because, Lord, you are fooling yourself if you think that. But I, I get it. Like, I understand there are times where I battle with this thing as well. There's, there's times where, like, legitimately, I get to the end of the day and I think I, I'm, I'm worthless as a husband. I'm worthless as, as a dad because I literally just prayed with my child and then screamed at him after he got up for the 10th time out of his bed wanting something from me. And I, I, feel, I feel like, I'm, 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 why, why would anybody listen to me up here? Um, and so I, I totally understand uh, where you're coming from. And so for the next few weeks, I want to kind of unpack this idea of, of feeling worthless. And uh, oftentimes we say we feel worthless. And I want to call this series Worth More. And I hope for, hope for a lot of us, we can be reminded, hopefully most of us knew it and we've just lost it in the everyday, but we can be reminded of, of our worth and our value in, in Christ and who he's created us to be, how he's made us, how he spent time creating us in a very specific way and how we can begin to work through some of those insecurities and those things that make us feel worthless. Now, we'll say over the next few weeks that I'm a pastor, not a psychologist. And so um, while we are happy to help you work through issues, we, we do have professional counselors, if that's something you need that we can recommend you, you talk to. There's no shame in that. Um, so I'm going to talk 
through things, not necessarily from a professional counselor's way, but through a pastoral way. And hopefully my thought is, is if, it you, if I can get you to at least see how God sees you and think how God thinks about you, then a lot of that other stuff is going to take care of itself. I want to start today by talking from the subject of a worthy cause. A worthy cause. Did you know that you're a worthy cause? That you were worth God spending time on? Look at the person beside you and say, you're worth it. A worthy cause. Quick show of hands. Maybe if you have kids, I think this will hit home. But if you've ever been around kids, I think this will hit home. How many of you have ever gotten some really bad gifts from your kids? Come on, y'all. Don't leave me hanging up here. Oh, they're beautiful because she made them. But they look like, you know what I mean? So this is, this is, this is going to get personal. So at the end of the school year, Riley brought home a handmade creation that he had made at school out of clay. He made, and we have a picture up here because you're not going to be able to see it. He, <laughs> it's a cupcake. And so he brings this thing home. He's very proud of it, how he made it out of clay, how he made it chocolate, not vanilla. How he, he spent time making sure that there weren't too many sprinkles on it, but there were just enough, almost the amount of sprinkles that he would like on his cupcake. And the whole time he's explaining this to us, like he is very proud of this cupcake. Meanwhile, Melissa and I are trying not to laugh in his face and tell him that it looks like a pile of poo. But he was, he was so proud of it. He unpacked it. He told us. He, he, he held it out like really, really gently so that he could show it to us and explain how he had made it, all the steps he had gone through. Do you know why Riley thought this cupcake was so amazing? Because he made it. Because he made it with love and in detail. He took time to, to plan out that it would be chocolate instead of vanilla. He took time to plan out where the sprinkles would go and how many sprinkles would go on it. Do you know that you are valuable because your creator specifically created you? Because he took time to think about, he took time to create you specifically the way he wanted you. And I know that some of you this morning, it is almost a foreign concept for you to hear that and believe it because you have been told otherwise for so long. It started maybe when you were little, maybe it was your mom, maybe it was your dad, maybe it was your grandma, maybe it was somebody that you respected, but you have been told so much throughout your life that you are worthless, that you don't measure up, that you're a mistake. Why aren't you like this? Why don't you have more of that? Why can't you be like them? Why can't you be like that? Can I just tell you this morning that you are a worthy cause because your creator took the time to carefully plan out who you are. You're a worthy cause. You were created with precision. Science backs, backs this up. I, I googled, I almost said researched, let's be honest, I googled some scientific facts about how we're, how we're created. This is, what it, this is what it says. It says that infants are born with around 300 bones as they grow. Those bones fuse together and they end up with a little over 200. You are created with precision. Imagine that, you have more bones in you when you're born than you do right now. That is a precise God. There's anywhere from 60,000 to 100,000 miles of blood vessels in the human body. 
Your eyes, thought this was interesting, remain virtually the same size your entire life. The rest of you grows up, out. Your eyes remain virtually the same size. Every second, you produce 25 million cells. 25 million, 25 million, 25 million, 25 million. You are created precisely. And then this, I think I've heard this before, but I'd forgotten it. Your jaw is the strongest muscle in your entire body. Some of you are like, that makes sense. That's the one I work out the most. But your jaw is the strongest muscle in your entire body. Scripture also makes it clear that you are created in a very specific and precise way by God. Psalm 139 says this. It says, for you created my inmost being, talking about God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The Hebrew there can literally be translated, I praise you for I'm awesomely wonderful. Some of you are like, told you. <laughs> wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You were worth God considering the details. You were worth him knitting together in your mother's womb. That word knitting brings immediate ideas of being handmade. Have you ever watched somebody knit something? Have you ever been given something that was knit? Or have you ever knitted anything? It's handmade. Every needle pull is for a reason because it means something to the one that created it. Created it. You are knit together in your mother's womb. You are made with precision. And it was worth God considering the details. He took the time to make you the color of skin that you have to give it to you. He took the time to give you the likes that you have, to give you the dislikes that you have. He made you so that you could be gifted in some areas and not gifted in others. He made you so that you could have that personality, so that you could have that accent. He knit you together and he considered every single detail of you. You are made with precision decision and he is your creator and here's the freeing part of this is that he is still involved in every detail of your life I know for some of you that's hard to believe especially if you do feel worthless if you feel like you don't have a lot to offer but he is still involved in every single detail of your life listen to me he is involved in the things right now that you want to see happen. He cares about the things that you want to see happen. He cares about the desires of your heart. He cares about the pain that you're feeling. He cares about the high moments of your life. He cares about the grief that you've been feeling for far too long. He cares about the friendships that seem to be crumbling around you. God still cares about every single detail of your life. He didn't just create you with precision. No, he didn't just create you and step aside. He's still involved in the details of your life and he is still working even when you can't see it or you think you deserve it. He's involved. He never steps away. And he is interacting. And he loves you and he's concerned. Riley knows exactly where this cupcake is at home. He has yet to let me throw it away, even though I've tried twice. And I think he'll probably need therapy one day from the things that I've thrown away. But he sees it on the top of the trash can and he pulls it out. Why? 
Is he still worried about this cupcake? Because he made it precisely the way he wanted to, and it means something to him, even when it doesn't mean anything to me. Because he created it. Because he loves it. David is saying in Psalm 139, he's saying that before his birth, while in the womb, God cared about him. And listen to me. This is why for the church, taking care of people from the womb to the tomb is important. I know in our country right now, there's a lot of talk about in the womb. And we absolutely stand with that because a baby in the womb is a human being that God deeply cares about. But here's the thing. He still cares about the single mother that has the baby. He still cares about the elderly. He still cares about the family. He still cares about the left out. He still cares about the black. He still cares about the white. He still cares about the Hispanic. He still cares about everybody because he knit them together too. And we as the church need to do a better job of loving all people because he cares about them. And so I, we stand with all people, no matter how messed up, no matter how much we don't like them, no matter how hard they are to love, no matter how rich they are, no matter how poor they are, he created them with precision and he loves them and that means we as believers should love them too. In fact, I believe that if the church did a better job of loving all people, our government could step aside. What, if, what would happen if we, if we led the charge with that and said, you know what? God created them. God loves them. We're going to love them too, and we're going to love them recklessly. God formed you uniquely. Has anybody ever told you you're unique? <laughs> people tell me that all the time. Most of the time when people tell you that, Newsflash, it's not a compliment. <laughs> Another word for it, weird. You're weird. And some of you, some of you have, have legitimately been, been hurt by that. Like, because what happens is initially you kind of laugh it off, but eventually you decide, maybe that is why nobody likes me. Because maybe I am just weird. Maybe I am just the, the awkward ball in the, in, in the mix. Maybe nobody wants to be around me because I'm just weird. People have told you, you care about this too much or you care about that too much or you, you don't have this or you like this too much. Can I, can, I, can I propose today that the next time somebody says you're unique, and I'm going to say this when somebody tells me I'm unique, when they call you weird, can you just say, yep, God created me weirdly awesome. Because that's what David's saying. He's saying, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You created me with precision, and I am awesome. So the next time somebody tells you, weird, tells you you're weird, you say, you know what? You're right. I'm weirdly awesome. And then they'll think you're prideful. So that'd be good. Then get the mind off of it. David says, you created me in my, in my, my mother's womb. You are unique. You stand alone. Just like your fingerprint, there is no other you. My apologies to Beyonce, but we could not have another you in a minute. So, either that was really bad or y'all didn't get it or it was dated or that wasn't Beyonce, one or the other. Was I right? Where y'all at? 
In fact, your uniqueness reveals God's precision in creating you. Precision means that he put exactly in you what he wanted to put in you. That the gifts that you have, that the talents you have, that the personality you have. Now, now those develop over time. As you follow Christ, those change and those develop. But he st- still created you with, with precision and he put certain things inside of you. And, and here's the freeing part of that. Because God knows what he put inside of you. He's never going to expect anything out of you that he doesn't put inside of you. And some of you have been beating up on yourself because you can't do what they do or what you think you're supposed to do. The problem is, is that God never put that inside of you. The first five years of my marriage, I felt like a terrible husband because I'm not mechanically inclined. I've gotten better over the years. Thank you, YouTube. (laughs) But no joke, first house we moved into, took me an hour and a half to hang the curtains. That was one rod. There's about 18 holes on each side of it. (laughs) And for a long time, I beat up on myself because I had this idea that if I was going to be a good husband, I had to live up to some expectation. I had to be able to fix the washer when it went out. I had to be able to be a plumber and an electrician. I had to fix everything. And I still remember when God showed me, Jonathan, you have been, I have not put that inside of you, but you do recognize when your wife is struggling and you know how to meet her needs emotionally. Focus on that because I put that in you. God will never ask for something out of you that he did not put in you. And that's freeing the fact that he created you the way he created you. And so he knows what he put in there. And so he expects only what he put in there to come out. Genesis 1 gives the uh, creation account. And here's what it says when God is creating human beings. In Genesis 1 verse 26 it says, Then God said, let us, the us there is talking about the Trinity, which is a fancy word for God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. You were created with precision and you were created on purpose. Dr. Martin Luther King says, said it like this. The whole concept of the Omega Day, which is created in God's image, is the idea that all men have something within them that God injected. And this gives them a uniqueness. It gives them worth. It gives them dignity. An understanding and a knowing of your worth begins with knowing that you're created in the image of an almighty, all-loving God. That he created you precisely, and he created you on purpose in his image. Now, that doesn't mean that God has a body like you. God is a spirit. He doesn't have a body like you. And so physically, he didn't create you in his image, but he did create you in his image. He gave you the same spirit. He gave you the ability to see things. He gave you the ability to touch things. He gave you the ability to speak, to speak good things and to speak bad things, to speak life and to speak death. He gave you the ability to love. He gave you the ability to show grace, to show kindness, to reach out to other people. You are created in the image of God, and God don't make no junk. He didn't make a mistake with you. It wasn't like God was perfect for the entirety of time, and then he had a bad day on September 17th when he made me, and then the next day he went back to being perfect. No, he created you while he was perfect, and he created you in his 
image. He didn't mean for you to be born in a different time period. He didn't mean for you to be born into different circumstances. He didn't mean for you to be born a, a different race. He didn't mean for you to be born in a different place. He created you on purpose right now, and that makes you worth a whole lot. Genesis goes on to say that man may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You're created on purpose, and you're created for a purpose. Adam and Eve, God created them on purpose. And then the Bible says that he created them for a purpose. That their purpose was to rule over the birds, to rule over the fish, to have dominion on the earth. That was, that was their purpose. But ultimately, their purpose was a relationship with God. You and I, we have a purpose, a purpose to fulfill in a tangible way, but also a purpose in having a relationship with Jesus. You have a purpose. Now, for some of you, especially if you feel like you're the one that's always being used, you hear that and you're like, oh, great, God just wants something out of me. God doesn't want something out of you. He wants to put something in you. And he knows that if he gives you something to do, you're going to walk with him and you are going to be blessed so much more at the end result when you do it for him. God doesn't want something out of you. He is, he, he, he is not just using you. Trust me, the same God that, that, that made the heavens and the earth and that created you out of nothing, he does not need your efforts. He is plenty big enough and strong enough himself. I read something this week, and it's been replaying over and over in my head, and that is that you are God's child, you're not his employee. In other words, God isn't concerned with the production you give. Like, he, you don't have to put in a PTO request for two weeks from now. You don't have to, he's not concerned about getting the most production out of you for the time that you're on this earth. No, you are his child first. And because you are his child, then you get to participate in things bigger than yourself with him. It all comes back down to your relationship with him. You are not his employee. You are his child. In other words, he, he will correct you, but he always loves you. In other words, he has something for you to do, but he would rather be with you than anything else. You are created on purpose. You are created for a purpose, and you have a purpose for being here. You're not just wasting space. You're not just supposed to, to breathe and take a knee and wait for the clock to run out so that you can die and go to heaven. That's not why we're here. If you have a relationship with Jesus, he has given you gifts. He has given you ideas. He's, he's given you people, and you have a purpose. But as I talk with people, one of the things that I've come to realize is that a lot of people don't see their tangible purpose in life because they see other people's purpose and they start to compare their own and it doesn't look like it's good enough, so I don't have that purpose. They see a, a mom who has four kids but always has the house clean, always cooks supper, and they see it on Facebook and they're like, well, she has a purpose. Obviously, her purpose is being a mom, but I can't do that. Or they see somebody up here and they're like, they have a purpose. They can sing or they can preach or they can play drums. I can't do any of that. I must not, I must not have a purpose. It's almost like if I saw Dylan, y'all saw Dylan up here 
playing this guitar, right? Singing. It's almost like if I decided, okay, well, if I have a purpose, Dylan's purpose is playing guitar. That must be mine too. So I come over here. I don't even think I have the strap on. (laughs) Y'all hang on. I got to push this button here. But it's like, okay, if I have a purpose, it must be the same as Dylan's. I'll take requests. Any any requests? Easier requests? I should have known y'all would come up with that one. How about, let's take it back home with this classic. All my exes live in town. I'm obviously not very good at this. But Dylan, come on out here. I got her warmed up for you, Dylan. Put on your axe. Isn't that what you call it? An axe? Do you call it that? No? Okay. Play a little song. you like to preach but now (laughs) what did he do oh yeah I don't blame him but now if I thought that I had to be like Dylan I would never serve my purpose here because it's obvious that God has not put in me a musical talent can we all agree on that that is the loudest amen y'all have given me this entire sermon But if you don't realize that God's put things in you, he's gifted me to preach, not to sing and play. He's gifted you with a purpose, even even though you don't see it right now, even though you've been looking at other people and thinking, I have nothing because I don't have what they have. He still put something inside of you. You have a purpose. You are not them. You're you. And he created you just the way he Wanted. Nothing is ever valuable without a purpose. Think about the things you spend money on. Would you have gotten that air conditioner fixed at the beginning of summer if it didn't have a purpose? Would you buy new tires? I would because I like new tires. But would you buy new tires and spend $1,500 supposedly, seems like it, on new tires if they didn't have a purpose. No, why do you spend money on it? Because they have a purpose. That's how it gets its value. You are valuable and you have a purpose. And so you, you have a purpose to serve here at church. And I don't, we don't make any apologies for that. You see, sometimes churches almost feel bad for, for asking people to do things. But when we ask you to serve, it's not because we need more volunteers to keep kids alive next door. I mean, we do. But when we ask you to serve, we know that you have a gift and that you're ultimately going to be getting something out of it just for you serving, more than you put in. And so that's why you come to church. That's why you attend in person to church, because you have a purpose here. 
you have a purpose with these people here. It's, it's not that we just get together and we put on a show every week. No, there is a purpose in you being here. The people around you, the encouraging smiles that you offer, the handshakes that you offer, the phone calls that you check up on people with, you have a purpose for being here. And you have a purpose in your everyday life. The job that you dislike or the job that you like, your purpose at being at that, for being at that job is bigger than just getting a paycheck. Your purpose is, is bigger than just clocking in and clocking out. You are meant to love those people around you. Even that person who you're a little happy when they are at home sick. Come on. Y'all know who I'm talking about. But you have, a, you, have a, you have a purpose. And what, what is your purpose? Well, your purpose is, is specific based on how you're created. But your purpose is always for the people around you and for relationships. So your purpose is always with the people that God has put around you. And it's always for your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. That's your purpose. And you have something that you are put here to do. Stop comparing it with somebody else's. You're created with precision, on purpose, for a purpose. Your purpose is what powers your life. It's the why behind your life. Some of you, that's why you never have any energy. That's why you feel worthless is because you've never operated in your purpose. You've never operated in in your why. Be you, love Jesus, love people, and do what he's gifted you to do. Find security and joy in who you were created to be. As you work, as you parent, as you live, as you're a good friend, as you're a teenager, as you go to work, as, you, as you're at home, be confident. Find joy in how God has uniquely made you. One of the verses that always comes to my mind when I'm struggling with my worth is, Genesis 2, verse 7. This is what it says. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. That verb formed there, that is a verb, right? Action word, verb. See, y'all are getting all kind of stuff this morning. You're getting a sermon. You're getting musical lessons from me. Now you're getting English lessons. Y'all should pay on the way out. Y'all have, got, y'all have gotten your money's worth. But that, that verb formed, it's kind of like that word knitted, isn't it? That, that God would reach down into the dirt and would, would hand make his creation, would hand make the people that he was gonna love so much and he would hand make them and then the Bible says that he breathed the breath of life into man and at that point, Man became a living, breathing being. Why did he do that? Because it was a worthy cause. Why did he put you on this planet right now where he has you? It's because you're a worthy cause. Why did God take time to create you and form you and put all of this stuff inside of you and then breathe the breath of life into your lungs that is still circulating through your body. Why would he do that for you? Because you're a worthy 
cause. You are worth him reaching down into the dirt and creating by hand. You are worth him forming you by hand in his powerful palms. You are worth him paying close attention to the precision in which you were created. You are a worthy cause. You are worth him taking this dusty creation and breathing breath into you. You are a worthy cause. You were worth him making you come alive and instilling purpose inside of you. You are a worthy cause. You were worth the son of God stepping into a dusty earth, dying a brutal, undeserved death on a cross, and then raising three days later. Why does he do all that for you? It's not because you're not worth anything. It's because you're his creation, and you are a worthy cause. Yes, you, every one of you, you're worth it. You're a worthy cause because you're a creator. Regardless of what the people around you say, regardless of what the devil speaks into your mind, your creator says, I created you just the way I wanted. With every head bowed and every eye closed, some of you this morning need to realize that Jesus died for even you. There's been times in your life where you wondered, is that for everybody else? Because I, I'm not worth it. No, no, you are. And so, because you're worth it, Jesus went ahead and died for you. He rose for you. And now his forgiveness is sitting on the table. Do you have just barely enough faith to believe that it's for you? Because it is. Some of you feel worthless and it's because you don't have a relationship with the one who instills the worth in you. If you need Jesus this morning and maybe for the first time you've actually believed that it was for you, just say this confession in your heart. You don't have to get all the words right. It's not magical words. It's just a confession of belief. Just say, Jesus, I admit that I've messed up. I've done some bad things. Sin. I felt worthless. But right now, for some reason, I just believe that you died for me. So I believe, Jesus, that you paid the penalty for my sins. I ask you to come into my life, come into my heart, and I don't even know exactly what that means yet, but I'm gonna do my best to follow it. Don't just save me, but change me. Let me see myself the way you see me. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read these verses just kind of over you. Maybe you want to close your eyes, but I want to read Psalm 139. Just think about the words, especially if you've been feeling worthless. If you've been feeling like you don't have a whole lot to offer. Close your eyes and think about these words. These are words to you. It says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise, he's worried about the, or he's concerned with the details of your life. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. 
You're familiar with all of my ways. He knows everything about you and loves you anyway. Before a a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in. You surround me, in other words, behind and before. And you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too lofty for me to attain. I can't even understand it. I can't even comprehend how much you care about me. Where can I go from your spirit? He's always with you. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. He is everywhere. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. It's not going to crush me. It's going to guide me. Your right hand, signifying the power of God, his right hand, will hold me fast. Jesus, thank you for loving us so much. God, thank you for the worth that you give us. God, I pray that Holy Spirit, that you'll make it so clear to the people under the sound of my voice how cared for they are, how because you love them, they are worth, and they are a worthy cause. God, we are who you say we are. We're not who we think. We're not what other people say. We're not what the enemy whispers in our ear. We are who you say we are. God, help us to believe that, to rest in that you created us on purpose with a purpose and very precisely thank you for making us so much more than we could all be on our own in jesus name amen